Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throw it high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we look back one last time at the Dolphins game on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks, falling to one and three on the day. We'll get into the numbers here, take a look at some of the tape, and talk about what went wrong, what went right on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We'll also hear from coaches on the offensive side of the football, the coordinators on this Tuesday, and some players as well. All of that and more on this Tuesday, October the 6th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And support for Drive Time comes from AutoNation. There are so many reasons to drive pink, but for AutoNation, there's only one to finish the fight against cancer. In fact, AutoNation helped raise over $25 million to drive out cancer. To join the fight, visit the AutoNation store near you or drivepink.com. And so we are going to hear from the Dolphins coordinators and offensive assistants on this edition of the Drive Time podcast later on in the episode. Let's go ahead now, though, and first start with the aftermath, the inside the numbers from Dolphins and Seahawks and check in where this team is statistically across the league, individually, snap counts, all that fun stuff through the first quarter of the season. And so we start to dive in a little bit here to the aftermath from Dolphins 23, Seahawks 31 in this tightly contested game. We know the Dolphins had chances to grab the lead in the fourth quarter as they have in all four games this year going up against three teams who are 10-2 and on the season in those losses. And of course, getting the one victory over a 1-3 and Jacksonville team convincingly last Thursday night. Let's go ahead and update you at the quarter poll. Is that what you call it these days? I'm not really sure. Four games into the season of a 16-game season, one-fourth of the way through this 2020 NFL season. Here is where your Miami Dolphins stand. After putting up over 400 yards against the Seahawks defense on Sunday, the offensive ranks really improved across the board as they are 23rd in total offense, 24th in yards per play, 20th in passing, and 21st in overall rushing. The scoring offense ranks 24th at 23.3 points per game, and the offense has been able to sustain drive so far this season. They have a 46.9% third down conversion rate. That's ninth best in the National Football League. They have nine touchdowns on 15 red zone trips, three of those uh, field goals coming in Sunday's game, but they still rank 16th in the NFL with a 60% conversion rate in that most critical area of the field and of the game. The Dolphins' average drive time here on the Drive Time Podcast is 3.05, sixth best in the NFL, and the Dolphins' 2.33 points per drive are 20th in the NFL. Well, I recall it must have been even five years ago, you wanted to score two points per drive was enough to put you up over league average. So at 2.27 points per drive, ranking 19th, kind of tells you where the NFL is today with their offensive juggernauts across the league. Dolphins have 96 first downs in four games. That's tied for ninth best in the NFL. And both on passing and offense, they're in the top 10 in chain moving plays. They have 30 first downs on the ground. That's 10th in the NFL and 57 first downs through the air. That is 12th best in the NFL. And only five teams in the NFL have allowed fewer sacks than the Dolphins offense. 
They've only allowed six sacks through four games. That's an average of 1.5 sacks per game, down from 3.6 sacks per game last year, so better than two sacks less per game this season compared to 2019. On the field goal unit, Jason Sanders is the only kicker in the NFL that has 100% field goal rate with nine made kicks. He has the most makes among the seven teams that have not missed a field goal this year. He also has the second longest kick at 52 yards out of that group. The Dolphins are 27th in total defense, 28th in passing, and 20th in the league in total rushing defense so far and their 21st in yards per carry on the rushing defense part of the game. They allow 24 points per game, and that is tied for 12th best in the National Football League. The Dolphins have faced four opponents who rank pretty highly in scoring offense, or three of the four do, I should say. Seattle's second in scoring offense, Buffalo's fifth in scoring offense, New England 22nd, and Jacksonville 23rd. And so going up against those four really good offensive teams, the Dolphins are tied for 12th in scoring defense in the National Football League. They have 21 missed tackles through four games. That's 14th best in the NFL. And there are two teams on that list that only played three games so far with the delays and the postponements. And with a 20.1% pressure rate, the Dolphins are ranked tied for 13th in applying pressure on opposing quarterbacks. One of every five dropbacks, they get a pressure on the quarterback. As for the snap counts in this game, it's a pretty similar flow to what we've been used to the first three weeks of the season. Fitzpatrick did not leave the field, played all 71 snaps, and that was true of four of the five offensive linemen. Of course, Austin Jackson left the game for a few snaps in this one. For 25 snaps for Julian Davenport, Austin Jackson played 46. Robert Hunt also played three snaps, but Flowers, Karras, Kinley, Davis, and Fitzpatrick, five players on offense, all played all 71 snaps. In the backfield, Miles Gaskin once again paces the Dolphins running backs. 46 carries, that was six 65% of the workload. Matt Breida was next at 17 carries. That's 24% of the workload. And then Jordan Howard and Chandler Cox both played eight snaps each in this game. At receiver, Devontae Parker, who talked about this on his Monday morning press conference, how he's just, as he's gotten older and learned how to manage, you know, both pain and injury management, that he's learned that you can fight through and manage these small tweaks and nicks and injuries, and he's going to get himself back out there and play, and that's exactly what he did. 57 snaps, 80% of the workload, and on 57 snaps, he produces 110 receiving yards. Preston Williams played 43 snaps in the game. That's 61%. Isaiah Ford had 45 snaps. That's 63%, better, or more than Preston Williams. And Jakeem Grant played 28 snaps. That's 39%, with Lynn Bowden playing four snaps, and Matt Collins playing two snaps at wide receiver. Mike Kosicki was on the field for 45 snaps. Durham Smythe for 29 and Adam Shaheen 20 snaps in this game. So the Dolphins often or tight ends rather all three of them getting pretty heavily involved into the mix. As far as the stats for the offensive players, the Dolphins passing game under pressure produced both the best plays and the most detrimental plays in this game. When Fitzpatrick was under pressure, he was 8 for 12 with 110 yards. He also had three scrambles that produced more than 10 yards on each of those three runs, but his arm got hit twice under pressure, and both those balls got kind of adjusted. Fitzpatrick talked about it post-game Sunday, and they eventually, of course, were picked off the first, a tip, which you just can't control if you're the quarterback at all whatsoever. And half of Miles Gaskin's 10 rush attempts moved the chains on Sunday. He ran for 40 yards in the game with 25 of those yards coming after initial contact. That's good for a 2.5 yards per contact per average. He's led the Dolphins running backs in that stat each of the first four games. Matt Breida averaged 13 yards per catch with 12 yards average run after the catch. Two of his three catches moved the chains in the game, showing some bite on the passing game for Matt Breida. We talked about Devontae Parker, 10 of 12 targets he caught. He's got a 9.6 yards per target rate right now. That's best in the team and 37th best in the NFL. Durham Smythe had a career-high 30 
receiving yards in the game. He also did not allow a quarterback pressure in the game, so a good day for the Dolphins tight end there. And Miami's interior three offensive lineman, another stout day in pass protection. Between Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, Solomon Kinley, Seattle only put pressure on Fitzpatrick against that triumvirate two times the entire game. And on the season, those three players have allowed a total of 12 pressures in this season. Solomon Kinley has two shutouts so far through four games with zero pressures allowed. Ted Karras was the highest graded run blocker in the game on Sunday per pro football focus. Defensively, the snap counts up front. Christian Wilkins once again leads the way with 44 reps. Devon Godshaw, 36. Zach Sealer had 26 snaps and Raekwon Davis had 19. At defensive end, it's Ogba and Lawson for the most part. He had 48 snaps, did Ogba, and Lawson had 47, making up 76 and 75% of the Dolphins' defensive workload. Kyle Van Noy did not leave the field. He was one of three players with that distinction. Also, cornerbacks Xavier Howard and Noah Igbenogany playing 63 snaps in this game. Jerome Baker had 44 snaps. That's 70% of the workload. Elandon Roberts had 32. Kamu Gruje-Hill had 23. And Andrew Van Ginkle was out there for 10 snaps in the game. At the cornerback spot, Nick Needham played 44 snaps. Again, 70% for him. And Jamal Perry had 23 reps in the game, 37% of the workload. Some of that coming safety some of that coming at corner because Bobby McCain missed 23 snaps in the game with the concussion evaluation he played 40 snaps in the game Eric Rowe played 50 and Brandon Jones played 19 on that defensive side speaking about Bobby McCain and Jamal Perry who was his temporary replacement in the game those are the two highest graded defenders on pro football focus McCain had two quarterback pressures including a hit on Russell Wilson he had a pass breakup and four total tackles in the game A very solid day there from the last line of defense trying to prevent those Seahawks deep passes and making some tackles and pressuring the quarterback too, which was a theme in this game from the defensive backfield. Miami dialed up pressure with the DBs a few times and Jamal Perry had five tackles in this game total to round out that safety performance. The Dolphins defensive line provided consistent pressure on Russell Wilson. Ogba had a second sack of the season and two more pressures, a hit, a hurry, and a sack as well. He also made four run stops in the game without missing a single tackle. We saw Shaq Lawson's first sack as a minor Miami Dolphin. He also had a run stop and an additional hit on Russell Wilson. Up front, Zach Sealer had a big day. Five pressures, all of them hurries, but the five pressures on 21 pass rush reps gave him an impressive 23.8% pressure rate. That's the second highest pressure rate in a game this year behind Kyle Van Noy last week in Jacksonville with a 30% pressure rate. Speaking of Van Noy, he had two pressures of his own and five total tackles without missing a tackle. Christian Wilkins also had a pressure and two run stops, and Nick Needham had two hurries on Russell Wilson. And back to the safety spot, Eric Rowe was credited with 37 yards allowed on seven pass targets. They tried to get those tight ends going, but he was up to the task. Good for a 5.28 yards per target rate there when going after Eric Rowe. He also made six tackles and had a run stop in this game. Eric Rowe has been very solid so far this season for your Miami Dolphins. And to wrap this thing up with the penalty count, the Dolphins are sixth in the NFL in fewest penalties against with 16 against them. Green Bay eclipsed that number on Monday night's game against Atlanta. It's the Patriots, Rams, Titans, Texans, and Steelers. And so the Titans and Steelers on that list both have played one fewer game and the Dolphins have one more penalty than Pittsburgh and three more than Tennessee. So it could be moving into the top five there shortly when those games get made up. The yardage against the Dolphins and penalties is also very good. The 126 yards assessed against them ranks 7th in the National Football League. But again, Pittsburgh and Tennessee both on that list within striking range for the Dolphins to move closer into that top five of penalty yards against. So another good season of not beating themselves with bad penalties and mistakes that way under Brian Flores. 
All right, how about some tape dogging here on the Drive Time Podcast? Game Pass was kind enough to put the tape out for us on Monday afternoon, so we got a good look at this Dolphins and Seahawks tape before we turn the page here on this Tuesday and jump into the assistant coaches and the uh, the coordinators for this Dolphins team. We start on the offensive side of the ball. My notes kind of just went in order of the plays, and I categorized it by who was who I was talking about on that particular play. We start with Chan Gailey, who I loved his game plan once again. First play of the game comes out of 22 personnel, and they spread it out four wide. And so the Seahawks, we talked about this in the pregame show, the cover three defense they've run for so long there under Pete Carroll. You really spread that group out. You get linebackers on the field. You have your best receiver, Devontae Parker, run a comeback route. It's pretty much pitch and catch from there. I love that opening play of the game. And the throwback pass to Durham Smythe on that third and one, the conversion, was a really cool look. Eric Flowers pulling to the play side. The tight end goes to the ground off a chip block intentionally and then gets up and leaks out to the other side of the field for a big 18-yard pickup on third down and one. There was a quick setup where they threw a slant pass to Devontae Parker in the first window. It's a heavy personnel package, meaning six offensive linemen with Robert Hunt on the field. And Fitz initially goes to show the play action to the running back, but quickly stands back up and hits Parker in that first window, which gives him time to kind of set up the safety who's further off the line of scrimmage with a tackle breaking opportunity there. So cool design on that one. And then Smythe, a 12-yard reception with 319 to go in the first half. He goes empty out of 13 personnel. It's one back with Miles Gaskin and three tight ends and Gasicki, Smythe, and Shaheen. You sly dog, you, Chan Gailey. Robert Hunt, I put a note for him here. The first snap of the game, I love the way he controlled the down block at the second level. That was all I had on him in this game, but he does get some good push off the outside of the offensive line. Some Jakeem Grant Grant notes here on the first interception. He has a really good-looking wheel route where he gets open deep on that Seahawks cover three, forces the corner into coming up into a flat-footed approach, and Fitz was trying to shoot that thing, but his arm got hit as he threw. I thought he might have had a shot at a touchdown later in the game where he ran a deep over route to the back pylon. It was a play where Fitz went after Isaiah Ford on the back shoulder throw and almost got that completion in there, but Jakeem really showing his speed off on that deep over. Thought that was cool to see. And then before the uh, Jason Sanders field goal to make it 17-12, the pass goes incomplete to Devontae, but Jakeem was coming across the field on a drag route and created some good separation there as well with the defender pretty far in his hip pocket there, or back off of his back pocket in trail technique. And then he had a big time catch on a third and seven where he uncovers early and shows that speed again, explosiveness again off the line for a big catch to move the chains there in the fourth quarter. Austin Jackson notes here, I love the play when Fitz got flagged for the forward pass for Austin Jackson's work because he had to check a B-gap pressure as they walked up Bobby Wagner onto the line of scrimmage. So he peeks inside and then he has to get back outside to the speed rush of the defensive end who's lined up in that wide technique, a couple gaps off the offensive tackle. And you really see Austin's athletic ability and the recovery speed on display there as he can check inside and then get back to the outside and run that rush around the quarterback. The athleticism makes him the number 18 pick in the draft on display right there. Then he had a really good second level block on a Miles Gaskin run on the play where they hit Eric Flowers with the hold. He squared up a linebacker at the second level. Speaking of that Eric Eric Flowers hold, let's go ahead and get into his tape here. Love and watching this guy play. Very solid in pass protection, communication, and finding work among all three of those interior guys on the offensive line has been very strong so far. 
And I think Eric Flowers has been a big, big part of that. On the holding call, Ted Karras chips the man that Flowers is blocking. And it looks like that kind of shifts Flowers' hands to the outside of the shoulder pads there. But it also knocked the defensive tackle over. And it kind of made it look like Flowers was the one that threw him down. But I thought that he really had a good block on that play. So a tough call, tough look there for the officials to make a decision on that. Because, like I said, the impact of Karras really shifted the way that block went. Hit an awesome block on the Lynn Bowden carry where he pulled playside and crushed his block, turned it and sealed it and created a gap there. He also hits a big block on the outside on KJ Wright on a screen pass to open up the third quarter. He displaces the nose on a two or like by two gaps, two or three gaps on a nine yard Miles Gaskin run in the fourth quarter. Really good day again for Eric Flowers. He's been solid through four games and so is Ted Karras. I talked about the communication. That's something that Ryan Fitzpatrick credits the Dolphin Center, the guy that kind of is the ringleader of getting all that stuff communicated watching him pass off and work and, and games and bluffs by the rushers up front. Ted Karras has been very solid so far through these four games. And Solomon Kinley, again, solid and pass pro with these guys working up front in the interior. I love watching him find work when his guy drops out into coverage, when they show pressure and then drop out. He puts big hits on people when he can go over there and chip and find that work. The communication between these three, again, super, super good. Put a guy on the ground on the Durham Smythe throwback. And that was the guy that Smythe was going to come up and help chip and kind of double team there with with Solomon Kinley and he does but because Solomon puts him on his back it makes the release for Smythe super easy so great job and then on the Flowers hold again I thought there was a bunch of good blocks on that play and you see Eric Flowers come off clapping thinking he had a good block and the rest of his guys did Eric Flowers or rather Solomon Kinley had a really good reach cut block on the the nose tackle of the Seahawks on that play and then the Brita reception the first one he literally locks out and shuffles across a a passenger trying to cross face on him with one arm, doesn't lose any balance, doesn't look any panicked, just super strong, looking good week in and week out for Solomon Kinley. On Fitzpatrick, on the forward pass call, the illegal forward pass, every part of the body has to be across the line of scrimmage, but literally only the football was. The line of scrimmage is smack dab on the 31-yard line, and both of his feet were planted behind the 31-yard line. And Fitz was definitely aggressive in this game, going after guys in coverage, throwing those back shoulder throws. We talked about that cover three. He tried a couple of those. Got a lot of PBUs in this game from the Seahawks in this particular game. The turkey hole shot on a smash concept where you're going to have a wide receiver or the outside receiver run like a, a little hitch or a drag or a curl route inside. And then you run the second receiver closest to the slot there on a corner route. And behind that, they ran that and Fitz threw an absolute gem to Mike Gesicki for a big completion. On the completion to Chandler Cox for the first down. It looked like Matt Collins was kind of coming free deep in the secondary, but it's hard to gauge whether or not you should take that shot or go underneath. I'll be curious to ask somebody about that question this week with regards to what's the decision making there on third and short. Do you want to get the first down or do you take a risk and go deep up top? On the third and 10 scramble play on the field goal drive that ate up half the fourth quarter was such a nice run by Fitzpatrick. He looked dead to rights at about eight yards, but dove forward for that big first down for the Miami Dolphins. A couple of tight end notes here. Durham Smythe, when they go six-man protection and it just with him in the offensive line, I think it looks really, really good. I, Smythe has been really good as an inline blocker this year. I thought Adam Shaheen had a nice game blocking off the edge as well. Matt Breida, there was a play where Gesicki draws a double team with a the two hook linebackers kind of jumping onto him and Breida just goes ahead out of the pistol formation and sets up right in front of that double team, gets a catch, and then you see all speed from there for a big 20-plus yard gain. And then another catch 
later in the game, just flat out escapes the linebacker who's around his waist completely and just gets rid of him and takes a dump off pass for a first down in the third quarter. Very strong and explosive that way. Miles Gaskin continuously slips tackles behind the line of scrimmage and runs through contact. I also love the way he gets in behind those big guards on double teams because he fights through arm tackles very easily. And you get a lot of those with guys like Solomon Kinley, Eric Flowers, and Ted Karras on those double teams. I had Devontae Parker for a note with an awesome catch on a dig. He was kind of stretched out over the middle of the field on an absolute fastball from Ryan Fitzpatrick in the beginning parts of the second quarter. Big catch there for Devontae Parker. Mike Gesicki, I had him running to the deep post on a third and four on the incomplete pass to Jakeem Grant. Thought that Gesicki did well to kind of get himself off the uh, the contact there from the linebacker and get free on that play. Just want to go ahead and make a note here how much better Mike is from year one to now as a run blocker. Completely different player in that area and it's a credit to his work ethic. Speaking of work ethic, Isaiah Ford on the play before the fourth quarter runs a little hesitation hookup route where it gets Bobby Wagner to sink down and lose his depth and then he speeds it right back up and runs around him for a nice looking catch and run for 17 yards. Then he also runs a little pivot route on a big time third and 10 conversion in the fourth quarter and despite the defensive back grabbing his waist and turning him, he makes a big time tough contested catch. So a nice day again here from Isaiah Ford. Let's go ahead and get to the defense now on the all 22 review. And start off here with Xavier Howard on the interception there in the third quarter. I really thought that interception was just a good call from Josh Boyer and the Dolphins' defensive staff there. They got immediate pressure on Russell Wilson, which forced him to kind of fade back into his throw off that back foot, and that caused the throw to have a little bit less juice on it, and that gave X just enough time to undercut that pass and make a hell of a play on the football. We know he's one of the best ball hawks and playmakers on the ball in the air in the National Football League with 14 picks in his last 26 games. That's more than a pick every other game. That's really, really good production out of a cornerback out there. Emmanuel Ogba, I've got several notes on him here. Elandon Roberts gets a TFL on an outside run, but Ogba is the one kind of working off the outside tackle and he forces the running back to bend back against the formation because he stacked it up and set the edge and then Roberts does a good job to come back inside and clean the thing up. But Ogba, really strong point there off the edge and that was consistent throughout the game. He wipes out a kick kick out block and makes a big tackle in the backfield there for another run stop. He stacks up and displaces the edge on the Chris Carson fumble, working outside on an outside run there to kind of get the tackle reset back into the backfield, uses his hands to disengage and gets in there for the forced fumble, had very vicious hands on the sack, works upfield and then swats the hands of the offensive tackle away from him and then very impressive cornering ability to turn the edge there and get the sack on Russell and get the defense off the field. And then he had a four-yard TFL in the second half of the game. Hard to top this one, man. Stacked it reset it, disengaged, and made the play. I just wrote down, damn, man, what a play by that guy. Bobby McCain, I thought, had a really good game, his best of the year for my money. He had a very nice timed blitz on the Seahawks' second drive, a second down and 11. He comes in right at the snap, free up the B-gap. A nice call from Josh Boyer there as McCain gets pressure on the quarterback and forces a throw over the head of the intended target. On the very next play, comes back with a huge hit on DK Metcalf to force an incompletion. We'll give him a PBU for that one. There was seven man in coverage on that play with a contained rush. Love the call there to kind of keep Russell in the pocket and engaged and let your defensive backs go out and make a play. They did on that particular play. Zach Sealer, several notes here on him. His first pressure, he oversets a guard and then crosses face with a powerful punch. Really impressive work on that one. On the Ogba sack, he bowls over the center and a double team to put a bunch of trash down around Russell Wilson's feet. You can see Russell kind of wants to step up when he sees Ogba's pressure off the edge, but he realizes he's got a bunch of trash around his feet and just kind of turtles into the sack because at that point, the play is over. He puts a huge hit on Russell Wilson on the scramble play to open the third quarter. He scrambles for a first down, and the defense 
defense had great coverage on that play, but sometimes with Russ, that just happens. You at least put a good hit on him there and make him feel your presence. And then Seattle goes into the red zone on that drive, and he beats a lineman across face. And then when the back bends it back across the formation because he locates it with his eyes, he beats him across face and spins back into the play and makes the tackle. I wrote down, wow, what a play by Sealer. Oh, wow. Christopher Walken aside, Noah Igbenogany, I had a good rep for him on a press and pin to the sideline on a takeoff slash comeback route from, uh, from, I almost said Ricardo Lockett, from Tyler Lockett. Russell Wilson throws a deep over the top. Lockett came back down the stem for a comeback route. He was in the hip pocket there. He had some good reps where he got into trail, got into phase on that particular game. But of course, we talked about with Eric Rowe and Brian Flores and some of the communication mistakes in the back end leading to some big plays. We had John Kajemi talk about it on the podcast yesterday as well as Noah has had a lot of big tests so far early on in his career. Going to be interesting to see how he responds going forward in this rookie season. Still, again, the youngest player in the National Football League. Staying in the secondary, Eric Rowe. A few notes here on him. I thought he had a really good game off to a great start this season so far. His first two catches on him are just flat routes where they challenge him to make a tackle in the open field off the edge, and he does it with ease. And then he has really good coverage on a third and two conversion to Greg Olson, where the ball just takes a bad bounce and lands in Olson's lap after he gets a PBU. It's weird to get a PBU. BU, but the guy still ends up with a catch that happened on this play. And then later in the game, outstanding underneath coverage on a throw again to Olsen right before the turnover on downs. He has to kind of stay with the with the receiver because Wilson breaks the pocket. He carries his contact to the five-yard mark, releases it, then has to turn and run upfield after Wilson extends the play, but he just stays in there right close into Greg Olson. Shaq Lawson on the fourth down stop. The series, right bef- a play before that, there's a second down and two where they try to sneak Chris Carson into the flat for a little screen pass, but Lawson engages him physically, not the Dennis system, but engages him physically enough to disrupt the timing of the play and cause an incompletion. I thought his sack again, like the other, like the interception for Howard was a great call. He wins inside and Wilson has to escape a Nick Needham blitz coming clean off the corner on a cat blitz. Cat means corner blitz. And Shaq does well to break down the open field and get Wilson to the ground. Kyle Van Noy had a great play as a force defender on the Chris Carson fumble working off the edge, sets the edge, forces the thing to bubble, then gets his hand back in there when the back cut it up to help Ogba get the fumble out. And then he had pressure on Russell Wilson on the third down before the turnover on downs. His arm over on the running back forces Wilson off the spot and forces him to scramble and make that throw that we talked about with Eric Rowe getting a hand on that football. Yesterday, or Sunday, I should say, I said that Igbo and Van Noy were on the two-man route combination on the deep pass at the end of the first half, but it was actually Nick Needham with, you know, and Eric Rowe talked about this, how this team is still working on the communication. I think that showed up there. They both kind of bit up on the underneath receiver. Talked about the play before the fourth down turnover on downs. Jamal Perry playing some safety in this game on that third and three incompletion. He had some really nice closing speed and read there on Russell Wilson as he breaks the pocket and Perry takes off the same direction and gets the, or helps Eric Rowe get a PBU on that play. And then Brandon Jones had a really nice tackle, I thought, in the fourth quarter where you saw his fat, his play speed and his physicality and aggressiveness. It was an eight-yard run, but you can really see him close down that thing and get across the formation for a nice tackle in the open field. Overall review, love the pass protection on offense. I think Matt Breida and Miles Gaskin have put together some really nice tapes so far in the backfield. I think Jakeem is itching to bring some explosiveness to the offense. We talked about this in the podcast earlier. Not that many 20-plus yard plays. I think Jakeem's on the verge of getting one here shortly. I love this tight end group just all the way around, blocking, receiving, Smythe, Shaheen, and Gasicki getting the job done. Defensively, Ogba is who I thought he was. I was a big-time fan of that signing. He is playing really good football. I like the decision to play some zone to help force some of those crossing patterns we've seen beat this defense in previous weeks. I thought the corner and defensive back blitzes were well-timed and well-conceived. Eric Rowe playing 
really, really, really good football. I've got Van Noy staying strong in his gaps and his assignments with a good pass rush to boot. And Zach Sealer as a total bull. Been fun to watch him grow and progress into this defense since signing last December. Let's go ahead and hear from the Dolphins assistant coaches and coordinators starting off here with Dolphins DC Josh Boyer. Here's an interesting stat for you through the first four weeks. The top four cornerbacks on the average yards allowed per coverage snap are all rookie cornerbacks Jeff Okuda, Jeff Gladney, Damon Arnett, and Noah Igwenogany among them. Here is Josh Boyer on Noah through the first four weeks and how he can adjust and play better on game day. Noah, he's a diligent worker. Uh, he, you know, he'll come in and put a good day's work in and, you know, um, you know, hopefully things will improve. And, you know, we ask that of all of our guys. So, like, you know, the things that aren't going so well for, you know, guys, we, we work hard to try to improve that. And the things that they're doing good, we try to build on. So I think a lot of it, you know, goes to practice and really just focus on a play-to-play basis. Staying in that secondary, we had Eric Rowe on media availability on Monday, and he talked a little bit about communication and how the the defense has to react to the offense's motion and shifts pre-snap and how they have to get communicated with the new alignment they're going to show you from what they showed you pre-motion, pre-snap. Here is Josh Boyer on that communication element, the motion, the shifting of the offense, and how there's another team coming to town, or I guess we're going to their town on Sunday, that'll do plenty of window dressing, misdirection, motion, pre-snap, plenty of stuff with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers offense. Well, I mean, there's, you know, the offense is the, you know, that we'll face and we're going to see another one this week that emotions, you know, as much as anybody in the league. So, um, you know, there's always going to be communication, um, you know, whether it's from the front or the back end. Um, again, a lot of that starts with us in practice, you know, and, you know, and I wouldn't say all of, all of the errors that we've had have, have, have not been communication. Some of them are just basic stuff that, you know, it's, it's a, a focus thing from play in play out from multiple players. And obviously, you know, for us to be good consistent consistently on a down in and down basis, uh, we have to be able to handle motion. We have to be able to know and understand our calls and, you know, and then once we can get to that point, you know, we've shown spurts or flashes of playing good defense from time to time, but on a down in down out basis, uh, we're all striving to improve. And like I said, that, that starts with me. And uh, that's what we're working to do. Let's go ahead and finish up here with a comment about Dolphins defensive lineman Zach Sealer from Josh Boyer. Here's a cool fact on Sealer: six foot five, heavier than 285 pounds, with a sub 4.85 40-yard dash, with 30 reps on the bench press, 115 inches in the broad jump, and a three cone under 7.15. Three players have done that ever. It's Mario Williams, J.J. Watt, and Zach Sealer. You pair those physical traits with a strong work ethic, you might just get a good performance on Sundays. We saw Zach had five pressures on 21 pass rush reps on Sunday. Here is Coach Boyer talking about the work ethic, the relentless motor of Zach Sealer. You know, one thing that makes the job enjoyable is that we, we have a lot of guys that, that, that they put in a great day's work. I mean, they, they come in and they, they work as hard as, as they possibly can. Uh, they're constantly striving for improvement. I think Zach embodies that. I think... Uh, you know, when you watch Zach on the field, he plays with great effort. And uh, that, that's probably what sticks out most is, you know, and I mean, obviously you love and respect that about him. Um, and he's constantly uh, in coaches' offices, you know, trying to get better, trying to watch more film. And then he goes out and he practices as hard as he possibly can. And then he's going to play as hard as he possibly can. And like everybody else, you know, there's, there's some things that are good that, you know, that he's doing. And then there's some things that we're working on to try to get better. But uh, 
Zach, Zach is a hard, hard worker, and he, he's a high-effort guy, uh, and uh, he's really a, a joy to be around. And, um, you know, and again, like, I, I mean, I do, I feel lucky that, you know, most of our guys are like that. And um, they're, they're very highly motivated, and they're, they're very diligent workers. So, you know, and, and we know the task at hand in front of us. We, we just need to keep striving for improvement and try to get to the point where we can play down in, down out, consistent football. Let's go ahead and get to a question here for Coach Danny Crossman about his place kicker, Jason Sanders. Perfect 9-for-9 nine nine on the season, has not missed a PAT. He has the most makes of any kicker with 100% kicking so far this season. Here is Coach Crossman on what makes Jason Sanders such a special kicker. You know, I think the, the biggest thing that jumps jumps out at you is you know how coachable he is. Uh, he's always looking uh, to try and improve weekly almost daily every time we, we go out on their practice field. Uh, he's willing to, to try and work on anything you give him. And, you know, and then, you, you know, if you, if you scrap it, you scrap it. But he's always open and willing to try whatever you may suggest. So I think that's the biggest thing. I really wanted to make it a point to ask questions about Eric Flowers on this particular Tuesday because I think that he's played so damn well at that left guard position. And a lot of times these rookies, the young guys that everyone's kind of curious about, the draft picks and how they're performing. Well, the two guys we brought in via free agency, Eric Flowers and Ted Karras, have played good football as well. So I wanted to ask Chan Gailey about the performance of Eric Flowers. Here's the Dolphins OC on what Flowers has meant to that offensive room so far. Offensive line room, check that. He's having a, a very good start to the season. He is a, a calming influence on uh, on the line for us. He's um, very competitive on game day, but very quiet during the week and very calm and really very professional about the way he goes about his business. So uh, I've been very happy with what he's brought to us, not only on the field, playing, blocking, run game, pass game, but what he brings uh, as, a, as a leader to our offensive line. And one of the guys running behind that offensive line has been Dolphins running back second-year pro out of Washington is Miles Gaskin. And we had Eric Studisville on to talk about what has really sparked Miles Gaskin's emergence in the offense and the opportunity he's received. It's all about his work ethic, says Coach. I think the first skill that he possesses is a tremendous work ethic because that's something that he's brought and used, and that's what's giving him the opportunity that he's in right now. Um, physically, I think you see him on the field. I think you see his toughness, his ability to get on the edge of tackle, to finish on some guys at the second level. Uh, we're still working on pass protection and those things, but he's really, really improved since last year on catching the ball and working and running routes in space, and I think we're starting to see some of the production possibilities of that but um, overall he's it's, it's his work ethic that he brings to work and what he does every day he's passionate about it and he wants to be good and he continues is working in that direction let's go back to the Eric Flowers comment because I wanted to again focus on this player and his leadership and his his work ethic and his performance I love watching the way he hits a key block and then goes upfield picks up his running back. He's clapping his hands. He's getting the crowd involved. Just a lot of fun watching Eric Flowers, number 75, at that left guard spot, as well as the Dolphins offensive line in totality. But what does Eric Flowers' quiet demeanor and leadership and work by example do for the rest of the offensive line? Here's Coach Steve Marshall on just that. Well, Eric Flowers is, is, is a quiet man, uh, you know, from talking. But, you know, he, when he does talk, he, he's 
you know, he's an experienced player. Uh, he's been through some ups and downs in his career. And uh, he's, you know, Ted and Jesse and Eric, uh, you know, you guys have asked a lot about the young guys. But uh, the real credit goes to those guys, you know, as far as helping young guys. And Eric is certainly leadership-wise, uh, and he's, he does it with his play. He has played out. He has played very well his first four games. I mean, we played four. Uh, first four games, and uh, I think he's, uh, uh, you know, he, he he's done well and done. He's exceeded expectations, and uh, we can, you know, we're going to count on him moving forward uh, as we are the rest of the guys. And staying on that offensive line, I think one of the benefits of this Dolphins roster, the way it's currently constructed, is that you have some players who are serving in backup roles right now who are getting an opportunity to develop kind of in the shadows behind some veteran experience in front of them that serves as an opportunity for those guys to kind of sit back and learn through mental reps and getting physical reps in practice. Well, we had Robert or the question for coach. I was about Robert Hunt coming onto the field in those heavy packages. Here's coach on why Hunt is a benefit in those heavy packages working off the edge, but also where he's at in his development as a potential long-term future starter. Dolphins second round draft pick this past April out of Louisiana Lafayette. Putting Robert, uh, you know, at, at the, and as an eligible tight end, uh, in our, well, in our quote, heavy package or whatever you want to call it, um, gives us some advantage on certain things we like to do. So, uh, I, I think moving forward, we'll, we'll, you know, again, we'll see each and every week, each and every week poses different problems as the 49ers are this week. You know, they got a, a big old athletic front and, uh, you know, we'll see kind of where we think we need to, uh, handle you know where we need to put guys uh moving forward that's what i that's what i just left doing while before interviewing with you fine gentlemen coach marshall always such a delight to talk to up next we had quarterbacks coach robbie brown i asked him a question not about his quarterbacks but about the communication aspect between the qbs and the offensive line how important that is and kind of how that balance goes back and forth throughout the course of the week in those meeting rooms with the quarterbacks and kind of how they evaluate the way the offensive line plays and where it allows them to make their opportunities or make their plays down the field here's coach talking about the relationship between the offensive line and the quarterback positions we have parameters set up um, so that offensive line kind of tries to know where we're going to be. Are we going to be setting up here? Are we going to be setting up here? And there's a lot of communication uh, that goes on. I remember my first uh, years of quality control uh, in New York. I sat in on one of uh, the player meetings with offensive line. They would meet. I, I remember. I can't remember what day it was, but I was just, that was my first go at it. You know, I was maybe three months into the NFL, and it was amazing at the communication between the center and quarterback, then the center's communication, everybody else. So I think it's very important that those guys are on the same page. They spend a lot of time talking to each other, uh, center, quarterback, everybody talking about, you know, different things that are going to happen in the game, this protection versus this player, this protection versus this player, this defense so I think it's very important that we're all on the same page so yeah it does have an impact and there's constant communication between those groups as to what they can handle what they can't what that kind of stuff let's go ahead and finish up with receivers and tight ends first starting off here with receivers coach Josh Grizzard. he talked about Devontae Parker and the comment Devontae made earlier in the week about maturing into his role playing through some nicks and bruises. Here's coach on his ability to perform while maybe nicked up and bruised a little bit on game day, coming out of the game and going back in. 
Yeah, it's um, it's a testament to him that he's able to play through some of the things that he's been dealing with lately, and just to go out that early in a game, and he's been having a good year, and and gets nicked, and then comes back, and not only comes back, but has a great game and plays well. It's it's good to see from him because you can tell that he's um, maturing, and that's the leadership role we've talked about on the past and here. And for those young guys, whether it's Lynn or or Malcolm or Kirk or Matt or any of those guys, just to see that, I think it's a great example from the room and really not only for the room, but the whole offense and the team in general. And wrapping it up here with Coach George Godsey, the Dolphins' tight ends coach, I asked him about the versatility of the tight ends room, being able to go 13 personnel, spread the offense out, and play those guys for 20 snaps or more each. Here's Coach on the versatility of that room. Well, it's, we're fortunate because those guys do a good job. You know, Travis, is a good. it's a good point because they're playing positions that maybe it's a position where usually it's Devontae or Jakeem or one of the guys outside as a number one receiver on that particular catch that you're, you're talking about. Number one meaning the number one, the most outside extended receiver. Um, and those guys do a good job. And it really started last spring uh, to just take take the concept and, and grasp it and not just your particular role maybe for that practice. Um, so that's how we teach it. That's how we do it in that room because um, we, we feel like we're versatile enough to play those roles. Um, and those guys accepted the coaching. And, and, you know, fortunately, that was, a, that was a good play for us. It was a catch and a first down. All right, so there you go. Very busy Tuesday edition here of the Drive Time Podcast brought to you by AutoNation, where Dolphins fans can sell their vehicle for cash now. Visit AutoNation.com. If you guys want to see the rest of these press conferences, they're they're longer than I played on the podcast here. Didn't want to play the entirety of those pressers here on the pod as we went over the numbers, the film here for Tuesday for the Seahawks game on Sunday. As we turn the page here, looking forward next week to the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to have plenty of content for you the rest of the week. The feature piece will be on Eric Flowers this week. We're going to have the game preview on Thursday, flashback on Friday with Randy McMichael and of course the boys from the Fish Tank podcast who also just published their newest episode with Keith Jackson. Jackson. So check all that out, all the content here on the podcast network on MiamiDolphins.com, social everywhere else. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. We need some more ratings and reviews, please. I would love you guys to go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. Tell us what you think of the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Again, the Fish Tank and Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.